Welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... Give your players a disintegration gun. What it actually does is shoot people into the future. In the final session, all the people they shot with it blink into existence around them at once. This was a very popular post when it was first um, posted not to know the world's worst flex possible but was this a submission one or was this one of yours this was one of mine so you know okay amazing but i like i like it just because you have what seems like a one hit kill weapon everyone's joking about how broken it is and how they're just shooting their way through the plot and then they just shoot older like anyone who mildly inconveniences them then in the final session, you just, like, get a barrel full of dice and use it to start rolling the enemy attacks because they're being attacked by everyone. I do feel like this would be a good item for the person a couple of episodes back who wanted advice on dealing with murder hobos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just bring back everyone they've killed <laughs> at the end. At that point, they've got rid of all of the other weapons except the disintegration gun. So all they can do is send them further into the future. I do like the idea that there are there's consequences beyond like social in the game for just going around killing people because yeah, that's sort of the standard. How you deal with that is, oh, people don't like or trust you now. But some people get into that, like living life on the lam. You could probably do like a magical version if there's a necromancer villain. The more people you kill, the more bodies they have to raise for the final attack or something like that. I mean, it, it works in Dragon Age. If you leave Redcliffe to die... You have to fight the zombies of all of the people of Redcliffe. They all have little names. They do, it's kind little, of adorable. Little digitally added tears to show their like sadness at being made. I don't think my graphics quality was good enough <laughs> to see the little sad tears. Yeah, like definitely like the idea of a villain that gets more powerful the more your characters are addicted. Because that's that's ultimately what, what you're talking about with this disintegration gun. It's basically the worse of a person you are, the harder it is to actually win later. Yeah, and you could do, it's, I guess you could do some... It's the ultimate escapism, really. It's like the opposite of reality. <laughs> ultimate escapism is the idea that negative actions have consequences. Yeah, there's... Yeah, like, you could probably, like, like I said, you could fluff it quite a lot of ways. Like, you'd have have the sort of archetype of demons that feed on suffering and pain and the more suffering and pain you've been inflicting the more powerful it has become over the course of the campaign that kind of thing like, I, I do like what you said about a necromancer bringing the people back at the end because that does strongly imply that this necromancer who is the big bad of the campaign, has just been following you around, gathering the corpses. 
Like you combine it with the um, roll a hard perception check, and if you when you succeed, it turns out the big bad has been just off screen the whole time. But they just keep rolling perception every time they kill someone. If they succeed, they finally notice like nine foot tall, skull clad, like zombie monster who's been following around, reanimating everyone they kill. Have you considered though that this, this character might not have originally been the big bad? But they saw what you were doing and they decided to take revenge. And when you actually kill the big bad, they reanimate them along with all of the random villagers. It's just the first shopkeeper they meet who's just so annoyed by them that they learn necromancy purely to start bringing the people you kill back from the grave. Well, yeah, I mean... Sort of narr- from a narrative standpoint, the idea of a villain that you've created yourself is pretty powerful. Yeah, like, presumably it would be best to give some kind of hints to the players rather than just fling it at them at the end. Well, you could just fling it at them at the end, I guess. I, f- I feel like the sort of hints you could you could give would could very easily be the sort of hints that the players would miss. So. Mm. Oh, that guy kind of kind of looks like someone from the other town. Or like the body is gone. Someone chanting necromancer words behind you. Necromancer a ne- words. You know how you cast necromancy magic with necromancer words. Bones, 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 bones. <laughs> I mean, so you joke, but if you entered like this dark circle and there's just six people in hooded robes stood around a corpse chanting, bones, 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 you would presumably be very freaked out. I feel like I would actually find that more disconcerting than if people were chanting blood. Yeah. Because blood, you know, it's got, it's got known uses. The, you know, there's vampires, there's offerings. But once you bring bones into it, it's like, what What are you doing over there? Raise a skeleton, you have to, like, point out to the skeleton that it has bones and it remembers and gets back up. It's quite easy to kill a skeleton, though, at least. You just put them in boiling water and make a nice soup. I'd like to find that it's easy in a dungeon with a skeleton you just make a pot of boiling water and get the skeleton in it. Yes, magic. Well, yeah, you, you find a hole, summon, wa- summon water, or create water, I think the spell is, isn't it? Yeah. You heat it up with some fire magic. And I mean, making broth from a living skeleton has got to give you some sort of like healing properties to the soup. Skeleton properties to the soup. I mean, drink it and it skeleton properties also, yes. Drink it and it animates your skeleton. This is You've definitely answered the question of disintegration, don't you? Be fair, it was the question. Oh, the animated skeletons though. I was in this wonderful game that a mutual friend of ours was running where there was a, a magic school. 
And one of the professors had accidentally animated his skeleton, so he had to be strapped to his chair at all times because <laughs> the skeleton had different ideas of what it should be doing. In like it's going to go on a rampage, or as in it disagrees with his interpretation of quantum mechanics, and every time he says something, the skeleton animates and tries to like refute his evidence. But this is anti guns. Yes. Uh, so the lesson is, if you some of the disintegration gun, uh, the shopkeeper will reanimate your skeleton. <laughs> I, I believe the lesson you've reached here. Going back to the actual idea, though, I like the fact that it's it doesn't move them a set amount of time into the future. It moves them to a set point. Mm. So, like. If your players finish the campaign early, do they get like a month of downtime? And then suddenly, like, oh, by the way, guess what's just if, appeared over the hill? If your play so like, if your players finish your campaign early, what you do is you finish the campaign, and just a month later, you like Skype them all under false pretenses, and then when they appear, you're like, okay, and then you start the session where everyone reappears, and they just. Oh, like a real-time month. Yeah. A month later, you Skype them all and have them be attacked by a bunch of supernatural creatures. And also shopkeepers. Yeah. After a month, you hire, like, a bunch of aggressive markers to break into their house and fight them. No, that's the coward's route. You've got to go out and animate your own damn bodies. Inventing necromancy purely to flex on my players in a D&D campaign. I'm just saying if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. I guess I can stand over a body chanting bones, bones, bones fairly easily. It's frowned upon, but it is not illegal. Make sure never to say bones more than like two or three times at a funeral or you will reanimate the person. And on that note... We have a question from Daydreaming Fox. Can I get ideas for super cursed items? My players keep asking for magic items despite having quite a few and I'm fed up with it. Have you considered a disintegration gun? Well, yeah, we just accidentally answered that question entirely independently. Us. Just rewind to the start of the podcast and listen to that. If you've got Do it I... downloaded to listen to, maybe just download it again, just to make sure. But genuinely, though, the problem with asking for cursed items is it's best to tailor curses to your specific players. Like, I had a paladin of um, the goddess of vengeance. So I gave him a cursed sword that would make him, like, compel him to fight back if he ever got injured at all. Which, like, would be fun in general, but because of that vengeance part, it just felt a lot more, if you know what I mean. That was kind of taking his whole thing and then turning it against him. Ultimately... Use ones that are just completely unrelated to the characters in any way. 
Like deliberately unrelated. If we need actual cursed items, um, rod of fireball. But when you cast, when you use it, the GM get to slap the player in the face IRL. Rod of fireball, but every time you use it, you have to take a shot. Rod of fireball, but every time you use it, you talk faster. And we think it is just ways to hurt your players IRL. I mean, that's half of our brand. Cursed item, just throw hands. But also, this person very clearly wants to punish their players with cursed items. So why not just take that to its logical conclusion? Cursed item, false evidence you send to your players arrested. Just put an actual, like, get a witch to put an actual curse on their dice. Be like, there, there's a magic item. What more do you want from me? Oh, like a bag of like enchantments at their face when they enter the game for playing. Do fire ants count as magic? So that they're like they consider themselves magic. They're full of self-esteem. Oh, the magic of friendship. Magic of friendship and of. Belief and of being very, very venomous. Give your characters an annoying child who follows them round. The magic of parenthood. Is that like I like give your players an annoying child, just hand it over. That's also an option. The magic item is that you're raising my son now. <laughs> I'm not sure we did answer this question, but we it's going to make some words. <laughs> we certainly made a series of noises that possibly have semantic. Have you ever wanted to see a tripe monster? Do you want to know what happens when you compress an egg? We don't have these answers. Or that. Do you want to truly understand the tripe monster from space? Do you want to know what happens when you compress an egg? We don't have the answers to these questions, but we do have a podcast about bad and weird films. Pod 9 from Outer Space. Starring me, Nick, and Liz, who is not me. Hi, I'm Hazel and I make a podcast with Liz called Bread and Thread, which you might enjoy if you are a fan of food or clothes or other interesting parts of domestic history. We find out interesting facts about things like regional foods, ancient breeds of sheep, um, pretty much anything domestic history. So if you'd like to know why it's illegal to import a sheep into Iceland and what was presented by Queen Victoria to Harriet Tubman, then you might want to check out Bread and Thread.
find us at bread and thread on twitter or find us everywhere podcasts exist <laughs> I, th- I think this next question is very suited to your particular background how would uh, you so turn this a D campaign into a philosophy or ethics problem okay. there's a dragon heading towards five people to pull a lever redirecting the dragon onto one person pull the lever Quick question, dragon's just going to eat all six people. It's about the impossibility of morality. Like, there are obvious ways of, like, actually implementing morality. You can do a lot of things on the way that ways chaotic evil races are treated and the sort of inherently violent nature of adventurers. All of that's boring. What you need to do is just, yeah, put, like, gratuitously contrived moral, like, dilemmas as you can. Do you get this kitten or fill this orphanage with fire ants? Those are the two choices. So you're saying, just as a, a logical extension of the trolley problem idea, just give them increasingly shitty choices. Yeah. Do you stab this old man, or do you stab this old man but look kind of sad while you're doing it? Yeah. I feel the actual thing for, actual sort of more question with D&D is the fact that violence is such an ingrained part of it. But the game is sort of the whole leveling up is based around killing things. Almost every ability you get is based around killing things. I feel there's definitely something, something like Undertale does in deconstructing the question of like whether the rules of the game are moral, whether they're pushing you to what to do bad things and what to do if they are is also pretentiously metafictional as well. It is, isn't it? Yeah. You definitely do a thing where the game in D is the big bad of your D&D. Goal is to beat up the wizards of the coast. (laughs) Yeah, violence. Probably, Probably shouldn't murder a bunch of people. Yeah, I don't think I have much to add to that. Just metaphysically torture your players for a bit. It sounds fun. Just just sit. Every time your players do anything in game, lean back in your chair, steeple your hands and go, are you sure that was the right thing to do? Whatever it is. They go buy apples, lean back and like, is that not supporting capitalism? <laughs> There is no ethical consumption under feudalism. There is no ethical consumption under the rule of the dark lich lord who raises all dissenters as zombie minions. That's a, I think I actually answered your question, so I'm sorry for going off brand there. <laughs> Possibly move to the next question if we're just sitting in silence. <laughs> I, was just, I was just contemplating. 
I, my philosophy degree does occasionally come in use. By useful, I mean it helps me answer a question on a small podcast. I'm, I'm guessing. Just... I'm guessing your philosophy undergrad more so than your fanfic masters. Have you know my fanfic masters is incredibly useful in that I'm one of the few people who can pull rank on online discussions on whether given characters are gay. Is that not what we all did a masters for? I mean, personally, I'm, I'm plan to use mine to do Night at the Museum, but real. I can analyze whether those characters are gay. Can team up. This becoming in. To be coming in jokes that literally only the two of us will get, so I'm sorry to our audience. Do you want to read out the last question? <laughs> um, it is from. It doesn't say who it's from. It is anonymous. I, it will be if it does not say. I think okay. I just forgot to write the word anon. This is anonymous. Do you have any favorite resources on making homebrew monsters? About to start a campaign where every player will be DMing a session, but I've never run anything in D&D before. You know every detail of every creature, and it sometimes dampens the excitement for them when they play. I want to make it fun and surprising for them. What I've used in the past is there's a podcast called the Myths and Legends podcast. Um, they have a section at the end called Creature of the Week. So just sort of take a random folkloric creature and throw it into the game is always quite fun. What do I do? If it hasn't if it doesn't appear in the monster manual or in Harry Potter, most of your players won't be aware of it unless they're massive mythology nerds. So like I threw in um a thing called a Sarah, which is basically this like ship-sized, but kind of peaceful and curious um, sea creature <laughs> as kind of a, I believe I was using it as sort of a false enemy to kind of distract them from other things that were happening. But th because they didn't know what it was, that was all they could think about. Stabbing it. Yeah, what I what I normally do is rather than like making a full homebrew creature, is like so if you just like refluff an existing creature, that can still get around the sort of you know what everything is and what everything does. Mm. Like if you make a troll, it's just I know like some kind of skeletally thin avian creature. That lives in lives in like sewers or something. You don't have to change the mechanics in any way. You can still just use the troll stat block, but people will not immediately go, "Ah, we need to set this thing on fire." Or if you make skeletons weak to boiling water. Yeah. If you make skeletons, but they are all clowns. If you make all undead clowns like a certain GM who will not be named did in one of our campaigns. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like you can sort of change things up like minor things like instead of 
instead of not regenerating with fire, they not regenerate with cold, or they don't regenerate with attacks powered by love or whatever it is that you're going to bring in. So sort of minor tweaks for minor tweaks to stat blocks and uh, changing fluff. Always a good idea. And obviously, if you've got sort of a well-known thing that there's lots of different versions of, like say a ghost or a vampire, you can just like say, "No, I'm going to use this tradition of it." So it's like, well, my vampires are fine with sunlight, but they count things. Or they they'll still regenerate if you cut the head off, but if you put a stone between the between their jaws, then you're good. Like yeah, obviously you need to give some clues in universe as to this rather than just yeah, it, in my setting vampires can only be affected by people called Steve, but Oh yeah, you'd have sure. to have some sort of you know, because there's probably going to be a moment where they try to kill it the normal way, it doesn't work. You can steer them towards, like, a library or something where they can actually find it out. But that's giving like them it. something to do rather than, I know exactly how to deal with this creature and have known yeah. since I was five. Yeah, like, it was like to do with, like, having it just, like, in real-life vampire myths being confusing and contradictory. Um, but yes, what was the 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 best to edit that bit of nonsense out? Yes, um, how bad ideas? Have you considered making all of your monsters goblins? I feel like this is yep. another probably bad RPG ideas one. I'm pretty sure I've seen this post from. I think, we might have had, I think this might have been. I think this has happened multiple times. But goblins don't have any specific weaknesses or specific strengths. If you just only have goblins, or use normal stat blocks, but you just describe it as a goblin. They're attacked by a dragon, but you just describe the dragon as a goblin, even when it is like giving fire. I mean, to be fair, tra like, in some traditions, goblin is just the generic word for sort of mischievous creatures so yeah. I mean, anything with a chaotic alignment could technically be a goblin yeah anything describe all life forms as goblins walk through a pile of tall you walk through a field of tall leafy goblins flying goblins flittering between them in front of you stands a goblin is walking a small goblin <laughs> None of goblins. Yeah. None of goblins flies towards you. I hear the goblins crying um, at, at the full moon. What the fuck animal was I describing there? <laughs> A fantasy <laughs> creature. Also, yeah. goblin. The twist, yeah, the twist is like there are no actual plants or animals in the setting. It legitimately is all goblins. Goblins also make up all of the non-living things. Seeing the goblin in the distance, you draw your goblin and knock a goblin. 
just saturate the setting with goblins. Just replace all down. No one will see it coming. There, just chant goblin over and over as your players enter. Then you animate their goblins. Give them a goblin. And at the end of the campaign, it turns out it was actually a goblin. I feel like just devolving you to say the word goblin over and over again in a series of different intonations. Just the inevitable fate. On that note, shall we maybe end the goblin? Goblin, goblin. So, if you have a goblin. <laughs> If you have a goblin, you can send it to us on Tumblr or email probablybadpodcast at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> which obviously is short for goblin mail. Um, or you can support us. Lockdown is hard on all of us. <laughs> I'm struggling to get through this. Or you can support us on patreon.com slash probably bad RPG ideas at uh, one, five, ten, or twenty goblins a month. Um, or leave a rating or a review. And you can even follow us on Twitter or Facebook if you really want to. And remember to have a probably bad goblin. Remember to have a probably bad goblin. <laughs>